Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted God adorned themselves being in subjection to their own husband, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well, do well and are not afraid with any amazements. Any amazement. Uh, well, it could be amazements. A lot of things to be amazed at. But anyway, so, so the point is, Sarah, holy woman. Sarah, trusted in God. Sarah, in subjection to her own husband. Sarah, obeyed Abraham. Sarah, not afraid with any amazement. That was Sarah. That was also Cheryl. She was not afraid with any amazement. In the 1970s, when we started a goat antibody business, and we moved into a house on a dirt road that was essentially mud everywhere, she was not afraid with any amazements. Way overcrowded, Don, you remember, got way overcrowded with over 300 goats on less than half an acre, <laughs> way below the Department of Agricultural Standards. <laughs> Baby goats in our living room, trying to keep them alive, the other baby goats we didn't take into our living room, dying in the mud. Cheryl, six months pregnant with Joshua, in the rain, soaking wet, no shelter, drawing blood from goats, and reading goat journals, trying to figure out why the goats are dying. Okay? And Joshua crying to leave the mud and go back to the city. And David wanting to know if that last meal counted as dinner or lunch. He didn't want to be cheated, you know. And Cheryl was like Sarah and that she was not afraid with any, any amazement. Am I to follow Tom? Not afraid with any amazement. Imagine the day when Abraham circumcised all the men sight never seen before, and himself. Imagine that day when Sarah, Sarah looked out of her tent and saw that sight and said, what in the world is Abraham doing? Am I to follow Abraham? Sarah was not afraid with any amazement. Or when Abraham returned from Mount Moriah, where we are now, and explain to her what happened to their only son. And what does she do? Am I, she says, what in the world was Abraham doing on Mount Moriah? Am I to follow Abraham? Sarah was not afraid with any amazement. Imagine the time when Sarah said to, when Abraham said to Sarah, you tell everyone that you're my sister, even though it means that you'll be taken into Pharaoh's harem. Sarah, am I to follow Abraham? Sarah was not afraid with any amazement. Imagine the second time, as if you didn't learn, when Abraham said to Sarah, you tell everyone again that you're my sister, even if it means being taken into Abimelech's harem. Am I to follow Abraham? Sarah was not afraid with any amazement. How did Sarah do it? How did Cheryl do it? Cheryl followed Sarah's example. How did Sarah do it? 
Sarah did it by being holy and trusting in God. Holy women also who trusted in God, 1 Peter 3, 5. Sarah did it by trusting God, by trusting in God who was great enough to take care of her even when she knew that Abraham was dead wrong in what he was asking Sarah to do. In other words, Sarah saw beyond Abraham to the God of Sarah, the God of Abraham, who was saying, you obey your husband and I'll take care of you. And she died that way. And that's her memorial. Wonderful memorial. And Sarah died in Canaan. That was the land of promise. But that was all, all, that was all, but she died there in Canaan. And she looks over this land of Canaan and she sees the land and she says, the land of Canaan is held and is controlled by these ungodly people. But she thought to herself, this is the land that God promised. She lived there for 60 years, a little over 60 years. I'll return to this land and this land will be mine as Jehovah Jesus said in Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. She was 127 years old when she died. She was 127 years old when she died. We remember about 40 years before, when she was 87, in Genesis 18, 12, when she commented about her life, and she said, therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? So when she's 87 years old, she's thinking, I'm very old. What did she think when she was 127 years old? (laughs) 40 years later. (laughs) But we read that she died in verse 2. Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And so this chapter opens with the death of Sarah. And this chapter we'll see for the first time in the Bible, mourning for the dead. We'll see the first time in the Bible, burial for the dead. We'll see in the first time in the Bible, purchase of property for burial. And Abraham and Sarah had lived through together through many, many years. They'd gone through a lot of trials, a lot of blessings. It seemed throughout their long marriage there, nothing could separate them. Nothing could part them except for one thing, death. And death parts those that nothing else has parted throughout their lives. And God's favorites, like Sarah, they're not exempted from death. Sarah was one of God's favorites, and she had to also feel the stroke of death. And now Abraham had to part with Sarah, who had shared all of his trials and all of his hopes and all of his blessings of life. And in this chapter, we see how Abraham parted with Sarah in heart and in soul. He never had to part with God, and we might lose a loved one, but we'll never have to part with God. I could from all things parted be, but never, never, Lord, from thee. And so we're, t- we're told she, she dies here after about 60 years in Canaan. And she died, evidently, when, when uh, Abraham was out with the flocks. And we can imagine the runner who came and told Abraham, Sarah died. And then it says that Abraham came, in verse 2, to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. He came to mourn for Sarah. We can picture Abraham coming into the tent. He's sitting there by the corpse. He's looking at her dead body. Like it says in Lamentations 3.51, mine eye affects my heart. And so he sees the dead corpse of Sarah, and his heart is going out. And we... And, we, and, and, and he sits there and he remembers Sarah and Sarah's gone. And he just cries and cries. And there are many mixed feelings we have when a loved one dies. I remember when Mike Johnson spoke about at uh, Faye's funeral, his sister Faye's funeral, and how he said when he came into the house after she had died, the feeling of anger came because he was angry that death took Faye. And there, then there's the feeling of sorrow from the loss. And, we, and, this, uh, and Abraham, verse 2, he came to mourn for Sarah, to weep for her. It was a shock for Abraham because in his lifetime, he had encountered many trials, but he, not the trial of death. 
And now death has entered into Abraham's camp. It's claimed his own wife, and Abraham's sad. And there's a feeling of helplessness as he's there. He's a, all man could do medically couldn't stop the death. And I remember reading recently about a person who got lymphoma, and he defiantly said, lymphoma picked the wrong guy to mess with. Well, you can say that, and that's nice, tough words, but when death arrives, you're absolutely helpless. And there's the feeling of helplessness against the foe that takes a loved one away. And, 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 and this adds to the mourning and the grieving and the sorrow. But then we read in verse 3, Abraham stood up before his dead and spake unto the, words of, uh, spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, so when it says that Abraham stood up before his dead, we see that there was a limit to Abraham's mourning. Abraham would not be, would not be caught in a lifelong state of mourning for Sarah. Sarah was in heaven. Abraham would join her later in heaven after he finished out his days. And the words that he stood up before his dead there, it shows there was a limit to his mourning. And there's a limit to our mourning and sorrow. And that limit was what Paul was speaking about in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14, where he says, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with them. The believer, see, mourning and sorrow of a death of another believer, it's like a big wave that hits the shore. And as the wave builds, it looks scary. And it builds up and it crashes with a great roar. But it only goes so far. And then it retreats. And that retreat of the waves comes when, when ignorance is displaced by knowledge of the Word of God. And at that retreat, then, is when you realize hope of the resurrection hope of the Lord Jesus Christ's promise of heaven. King Solomon, as we said in Proverbs 14, 32, the righteous hath hope in his death. So the believer, there is a sorrow of death, the loved one, but that sorrow is limited by hope. After the wave breaks on the shore, it only goes so far, and then it retreats, and hope stands on the shore and says, stop to the wave. This far, no further. And for the lost, Paul calls this, that sorrow different. He says, it's not that way. There's a sorrow with no hope. For the, la- for the lost, there's no hope standing on the, on the shore and holding out his hand and saying, stop this far, no further. For the lost, their sorrow and mourning is like a tsunami that builds up like a wave. And the difference is with, with no hope is that when the wave breaks with the tsunami, there's no limit. It just keeps on going. It keeps on going and it, it engulfs. We all remember the videos of the Indonesia and the Japanese tsunami waves as they started out, as they got a big wave, and then they crashed. But to our surprise, wait a minute, the wave's supposed to stop there. It didn't stop. It just kept on going. That's sorrow with no hope. There's no hope standing on the shore saying, stop this far, no further. You know, that's John Lennon. John Lennon, he sings this song. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell beneath us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. That's no hope. What he's really singing is this. Imagine dying hopeless. It's easy if you try. Only hell to greet us and our eternal cry. Imagine all the people swept away in despair. That's the message. That's the message. Now, since Abraham is a believer with hope of Sarah... As a believer, there was hope standing on the shore and holding out his hand, saying, this far, no further. And Abraham stood up, and that's what it means there in verse 3, stood up and, and, and before his dead. And so it was easy for Abraham. It was easy, it, w- it was easy for Abraham because God had stopped it. But in a sense, it was also not so easy for Abraham. 
And it's not easy for a, a believer even to deal with the death of, a, of another believer because it's an exhausting struggle. It's like treading water in a rip current. And it's, a, it's exhausting because, because the rip current is wanting to pull you down into the darkness of no hope and despair. And, and, you, tread, and you tread water with the Bible knowledge of 2 Corinthians 5.8 to be absent from the body of the present with the Lord. And these verses in 1 Thessalonians 4.14 even, them so, even so them that sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. But no hope, rip currents are trying to pull us down with the first Thessalonians 4.13, others which have no hope. After all, Sarah herself was all right and happy with God. It was just sad to see what she's suffering. She had to go through and be left without her. But sooner or later, we all will see and experience the march and the power of death overcome a loved believer like Abraham saw with Sarah. We all have loved friends who, who we never think of was going to die. You know, as I was preparing this lesson, I was reading my notes from when I last taught this passage here at the chapel, standing right here in this place. I think I stood there, actually, because it doesn't matter. On February 20th, 1983. Uh, see, I have to wait about 31 years to teach the same passage to give you time to forget what I said. See? Which means that I'll teach this again when I'm 93. <laughs> Anyway, on February 20th, 1983, I stood on that spot there and I said, two weeks ago, Pastor Jim celebrated his 59th birthday. How would we deal with his death? It's interesting. How should we be prepared for the death of a loved one? How? It's interesting to see how Jacob prepared his favorite son, Joseph, for his death. Jacob knew that, Jacob, uh, Jacob knew that Joseph had a tender heart. He did. And Jacob wanted to prepare Joseph for Jacob's death. So we read how he prepared him. It says in Genesis 47, 29, the time drew nigh that Israel, as Jacob, that Israel must die. He called his son Joseph. And then we read later in Genesis 48, 21, Israel said unto Joseph, behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. See, Jacob knew that Joseph would be very sad. He would feel the loss of Jacob, leaving Joseph, and Jacob wanted to best prepare Joseph for Jacob, Jacob's death. So he said the best words that he could say to Joseph when he said, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you. In essence, he was saying to Joseph, Jacob was saying to Joseph, Behold, I die, but God is not going to die. Behold, I'm leaving you, but God is not leaving you. Behold, I'll be separated from you, but God will not be separated from you. That's the best thing that Jacob could have told Joseph when he said that in Genesis 48, 21. Behold, I die, but God shall be with you. In other words, Israel or Jacob was saying, I will leave you, but God's not going to leave you. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ meant when he said in Matthew 28, 20, when he said, lo, I am with you always. That word always is made up of two Greek words, pas ermero, where pas means every, and umera means 24-hour period or a day. So what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying in Matthew 28, 20 was that he's with us every 24-hour period. And so during those 10 years that we lived with our 300 goats, what we saw, I remember the first time we saw this, we thought, what is that? Something amazing, which which you can only see if you live among 300 goats, which I wouldn't wish on any of you. <laughs> but we saw it. It's, it was amazing. When a little kid goat, little kid baby goat, was sick, 
And the mother goat came, and we saw this. We saw this from our sliding glass door the first time. And we said, what is that? And the mother goat will co would come as the baby goat's sitting on, laying on the ground there, sick. The mother goat puts her head into the side of the baby goat and just leaves it there. It's amazing. Don, raise your hand. I'll show you how it's done. No. <laughs> she just stick, stuck her head into the side of the goat and left it there. She just put her head into the side of the kid goat. Now, just put her there and she, and, and without moving and not hard. She wasn't crushing the kid goat, but just enough pressure so that the sick kid goat could feel her presence. By the mother goat just putting her head into the side of the goat, the baby goat, it was as if she was saying, the best thing I can do for you is to, is to be with you and to impress you with my presence. So the little kid goat, because there's a lot of heat that comes off the head, the little ki kid goat felt the heat from the mother's head. The little kid goat hears the breath of, of, from the mother's lungs. And the little kid get, goat knows she's, she's there. She's caring for me. And that was her suffering for the little kid goat. Now, it's a message that the mother goat is saying to the sick goat. And the message is, I'm there. That's the picture of what God does for us when we're sad. Like the mother goat who puts her head into the side of the, her little sick kid goat. God is especially close to us when we're sad. And that's what King Solomon was emphasizing when he put those two important verses together in Proverbs. The first one is Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And then Proverbs 18, 24. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. See, in, eth in essence, Joseph was giving Jacob, his dying father, into the hands of God. And at the same time, Jacob was giving Joseph, his grieving son, into the hands of God. See, that was like when, Cheryl, when, when I gave Cheryl in the hospital the list of the 48 Filipino pastors who had committed to pray for Cheryl in 30-minute slots around the clock. And Cheryl took that list and at the time when a pastor was praying for her, she was praying for that pastor. Now, we read in verse 3 that Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth. Now, now, look in verse 10, and you'll see where he did this. Where did he do it? At the gate of the city. That's where business is transacted, people are assembled, and that's the place where Abraham would purchase the property. Now, so before all these ungodly people in Heth, he stands up, Abraham does, and he makes a life statement. He says, I'm a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession for a burying place. In the most public place, Abraham stands up and he announces he's a stranger. He didn't have to say that. He just had to say, my name's Abraham. Anybody got a burial place for sale? I'm here to buy. But not Abraham. He feels compelled. I've got to make a life statement. I've got to make a life confession. He does. Very large audience. He says, I'm a stranger and a sojourner. And he says in that who he was, a stranger, and what he was doing, sojourning. And by saying a stranger, he's using the Hebrew word gar, which is used all throughout the books of Moses to refer to the foreigner who lives in the Jewish people, like the Egyptian, the Moabite. So that's the word that he says, I'm a gar, I'm a stranger among you. So everybody's question is, Okay, which country is his homeland? Is his homeland Egypt? No. Is his homeland Philistia? No. Is his homeland Arabia? No. He's not talking about an earthly homeland. Abraham's talking about heaven where God is, is his homeland. So when Abraham says, I'm a stranger among you, Abraham is saying, heaven where God is my homeland. He feels compelled to tell them this. And then he explains to them that what he's doing here, he said, I'm a sojourner. He said, now that I told you that I want, I want to tell you, I'm doing here, I'm a soldier, I'm a temporary resident. He said, I'm living among you I'm, I, with a green card. 
that, that, that it could be pulled any time. You know, the head of our security, if you go down to Takata, you, meet, you can meet Luigi. Luigi was a green card holder working in Las Vegas at the Venetia, Venice, anyway, that, ho that hotel in Venice. And one day, when he was in Las Vegas, U.S. immigration knocked on his door without any reason told to him, and they, they said, give me your green card, you're out of here. And he had to return to Mexico, so he works for us now. But when the immigration came that one day, Luigi's door in Las Vegas, it was a shock for him. And that's what Abraham was telling the people at the gate here. He said, I'm living with you as a temporary green card, and I know that any time my green card could get pulled, and I'm going to follow Sarah and go home. So by telling people he's a sojourner, Abraham has explained to them what he was doing. He said, that's why I live in a tent. That's why you see me with no roots. I'm a green card resident. That should be our life statement. That should be our life statement by telling the world, heaven where God is, that's my homeland. And I'm a stranger here on earth. Like Abraham, we should be explained to the world, I, I'm like a, a temporary green card resident, and some people with green cards live in the U.S., they live like what happened to Luigi. It could happen to them at any time. Without any notice, they live like immigration can come, pull their green card, leave the U.S. They live for immigration to come at any time and inquire them to leave. And if immigration comes one day, they're not surprised. They're ready to leave the U.S. And then there's some people with green cards in the U.S. who live in the U.S. like, not like Luigi, and, and they live like immigration is never going to come and pull my green card. They live like they're, they're, they're not ready for immigration to come at any time. They'd be totally surprised, shocked. And when we, like Abraham, tell people that heaven is our homeland, people hear us, the first part of what we're saying, and then they say, well, if heaven's your homeland, are you living like you have a green card to be pulled any time? Are you living like a stranger? And they look at that and they say, how are you living? How are you living? He says heaven is his homeland. The world's not his home. But he doesn't seem to be living like that. Got a lot of stern lines tied. Abraham, the believer, was deeply affected by the death of Sarah. And we could ask the question, how should the death of a loved one affect the believer? The death of a loved one should have five effects on the believer. First, a deeper conviction that God's heaven is my home. Second, a more intense longing to go to God's heaven. Third, a more determined detachment from this world, turning around and identifying the stern lines and untying them. Fourth, a more real sense that I am only here on earth just to reach the point of John 17, 4, I have finished the work thou hast given me to do. And fifth, a more burning desire to see the lost converted to make heaven, to make God's heaven their homeland and for them to become temporary green card residents and to live like that on the earth. That's the importance of the two words when, when Abraham says, and notice them, with you, he says that. He said, I'm a stranger and a sojourner among you. With you. What Abraham said that it was that he was a stranger and a sojourner, but he was saying, I'm, I'm not from you, but I'm with you. I, I, and I'm with you to bring you to God. See, there was no floor in the tabernacle. All the sides of the ceiling. No floor in the tabernacle, only sand. Because in a very real sense, we are connected to this world, but we're not insulated from this earth, and we're here to bring others to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the life of Abraham. Thank you for the life of Sarah. Help us, Lord, to follow in their footsteps. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
www.friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. On opening day, September 25th, we'll have Phil's Barbecue with special guest musician Jim Earp. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 